This is the Implant Games Podcast with Chris and Austin, the show where we talk about old school games, collecting, YouTube, and more. This is episode 45, Burn Every Bush. Enjoy! Hello and welcome to episode 45 of the Implant Games Podcast. I am your host, Chris, and with me... As always, is my co-host Austin Mackert. How are you, Austin? I'm good. I'm good. Good morning. <sighs> Sorry, I was just adjusting my uh, my volume. So yeah, no, I'm good. I'm bright and early for me. <laughs> is it not twelve thirty Eastern time? Yeah, that's bright and early for me. Excellent. I suppose you have a, a weird work shift. Don't you work till midnight? Ah, uh, yeah. They usually wake up around noon. Uh, more like two-ish. Two-ish? Very nice. Uh, yeah. I have a normal schedule, so I wake up at 6 a.m. every morning. <laughs> Been up for three hours. You're lucky. You actually all... get to see the sunlight, Chris. I do get to see the sunlight. It, it's nice. It's, the sun yeah, is... I, 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 you know, man, I don't even remember what the sunlight looks like. Well, it's bright. That's about it. You're not missing much. <laughs> Probably looks the same as you remember. <laughs> Don't lie. <laughs> so so what's, any- been, uh, what's been on your plate for these last two weeks, Chris? This has uh, been a, a really fast two weeks, actually. I mean, it doesn't even feel like two weeks have gone by since we recorded our last episode. I should probably yeah. turn that off. Yeah, what is that? Your cell phone? Yeah. Yeah? It sounds like a robot. <laughs> yeah, it's been a pretty good two weeks. I uh, did something I... I th- don't think we talked about this, but I've actually been playing the original Legend of Zelda on the NES... Wow, nice. I, I finally got around to watching Johnny's Zelda review and Zelda 2 because he just put that out. Yeah. And I have to say, those are great reviews, and it kind of makes me want to go back and play the original Zelda again. Well, that's if exact- only to re-experience how difficult it is later on in the game. That's uh, that's kind of how I got into it. I, I remember, it's one of my earliest video game memories, probably when I was five years old, um, my my babysitter and her son Adam, um, I remember watching them play through this game. And I remember them playing through like the second part. After you beat the game, you can play it again and everything's kind of moved around and all the dungeons are different. Oh, by, yeah, or by typing in Zelda. Yeah, it's, it's the second or by quest. Cheating. The yeah. master quest, I think, is what they called it. So I kind of um, remember, I remember all of that and I remember them like where they placed bombs and what bushes they burned with the candle and all that's kind of stuck with me over the years. And I've played Zelda off and on, you know, since I was a kid, but I've never really gotten very far. I've always probably gotten to, like, the third level and lost interest and did something else. But uh, after watching his video, I decided to just go all out and uh, try and beat it. So uh, I made it through, I think, the first four dungeons without any internet help whatsoever. And then uh, after that, I just found a, a great map online, and then I've beat the next four dungeons, and now I'm about, uh, I don't know, a quarter of the way through the final dungeon, Dungeon 9. Ooh, okay. Um, So I've gotten pretty far, and uh, a lot of the problems that uh, some call me Johnny kind of mentioned, I think hold true. The game, it's kind of impossible to play if you don't already know what you're doing or if you don't have a map. Now, if memory serves me correct, the actual retail copy of Zelda did include a, uh, I believe, lots, a lots map. Lots of paperwork, lots of, like, a, a big map that had uh, all sorts of tips and tricks and whatnot, and... Uh 
Now, I don't own the map anymore. I I remember owning it as a kid, so it, it's kind of sad that it's gone. I don't know where it is. Um, I do have a copy of the instruction manual, but I haven't really busted it out. But it's uh, it's a really, really good game. Yeah. Um, I, I might have to sit down and revisit that sometime. I've been meaning to. And actually, when I was collecting NES games about a year ago, a year and a half ago, I uh, actually got the gold cart and I popped it in. I was like, I'm going to play some Zelda. And I, I think I beat the second dungeon. And uh, that was it. I just I meant to go back to it, but never did. Um, when I was a kid, I, I beat it many times, though. And I don't remember using too much outside help. I mean, granted, I had a lot of friends that played the same game, so, you know, we would always toss ideas back and forth and whatnot. So that was probably a big, big help to me back then. But it, it was so far back, I, it do, I don't have super clear memories of it. But I beat the game many times. I don't remember getting stuck too much at m- too many parts. Um, but again, yeah, after watching his review, yes, yeah, some of the parts, if you're, if you're coming into it as a new player with an outside perspective and you've never played it before. Um, I think some parts can be very, very cryptic and confusing. Um, but I, I'm kind of glad that I never really had to deal with those issues in the way that he had to deal with them because like, I don't know. And a lot of that has still stuck with me. Like I know where the master sword is. I know mm-hmm. how to get to the ninth dungeon. I know, you know, things like that where the extra hearts are. Yeah. So, but see, that's funny. But, uh, we played as a kid. So as a kid, you could, you know, bomb around for five hours and just, you know, spend all of your time true. bombing things that. and you never I mean, cared. He was like, what am I supposed to do? Burn every bush? And I was like, well, yeah, that's, that's what, what I did, I did. as a kid. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I, I, I loved it. I was like, oh, sweet, another bush. Is it going to open up a door? <laughs> yeah. But uh, I don't think it thrilled him too much, though. Yeah. <laughs> But it, it's a strong game. Uh, it's kind of, actually, in a ways, it's it's smaller than I remember as a kid. The overworld, Hyrule, um, I remember as a kid, it just seemed exhausting. Getting from one side to the other was an adventure in itself. But playing through it again, I mean, there is kind it's of a set small, path. Yeah. kind of just reminds me of wandering around Six Flags, you know, where it's kind of like a, a loop with a few <laughs> paths throughout the middle. It seems exhausting, but when you actually look at it, it's simple. Here's the arcade. Here's the roller coaster. The only things that kind of now playing it versus back then um, is there's like three music tracks total. There's the overworld, there's the dungeon music, and then there's the final dungeon music. Yeah. Which as a kid, it never really struck me. But playing it now, I'm like, you know, I've heard the same loop for like the last three hours. Yeah. Perhaps they could have done something more. Possibly. There was an earlier NES game, though. Oh, yeah. Uh, so they, they probably had memory... Uh, limitations because uh, they hadn't come out with the later memory mappers yet and blah, 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 and extra chips in the cartridges and stuff like that. I think had Zelda come out in like 1990, it would be a much more impressive game. But few- even like Zelda, Zelda 2, if you look at that, it's much more impressive than the first Zelda. I mean, the, it's side-scrolling, yeah, but the animation is so much better and there's like inertia in your movement, which has got to probably take some kind of program trickery programming trickery to do um so i don't know if that had like better memory mappers in it or anything like that but the original zelda was a pretty early nes game yeah. i think like 80 what is it 85 or 86 in yeah. japan i'm pretty sure it obviously came right out away. in japan first i'm assuming so yeah. still a strong game the, some of the combat does feel clumsier than i remember some yeah. of the enemies are really really annoying like the wizard things that kind of flash around the screen 
Yeah. Well, one thing I was noticing in Johnny's review was that he complained a lot about the action, but what I noticed he was doing is he was attacking kind of like Ocarina of Time style. Yeah. Like he'd get up to an enemy and go like thwack, 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 and just keep mashing on the attack button. And I was just like, dude, That's you can't really right. do that in Zelda. <laughs> Zelda. The original Zelda is like a stop and poke game. Like yeah. you attack once, you move back. You attack again, you move back. Especially on the nights that you can only hit from behind. Oh, God, um, those are annoying. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, the enemies are definitely tough in that game, but you've really got to play smart in that game. Uh, but he was just going all out. I don't know if it was just to demonstrate I or if he actually plays differently, but I have a feeling that's actually how he plays. Cause, um, and I, I have a feeling he's also, he was really into Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask because he said those reviews are going to take a long time. Yeah. I'm sure he's played the crap out of those and the later ones because he's, um, yeah. He didn't discover the NES games until like the early 90s, apparently. Because he's a little bit younger than us, I think. Yeah. So, um, it was it was really interesting to see someone else's point of view, though. Like, I grew up with the game, so that's those are the memories I have and a lot of the problems I don't have with it because I grew up with it. And that's just kind of how it is if you grow up with something. but You have a different look. Yeah, yeah. outlook. So... But I could definitely tell that uh, most most of his points were completely valid, even oh, yeah. with having grown up with it. But I, I definitely think his attacking could have used some work. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> you know, that might have adjusted his opinions a little bit had he changed his uh, attack methods. But One of the things yeah. I really like about the game overall is its non-linear style. Like, when I first started, you know, the my adventure, I went through and got as many as of the hearts in the overworld that I could remember. Yeah. Yeah, and I love then, that in that uh, game. So when I and I think I went and found the uh, an extra sword after you well, get yeah, so many there's, hearts. There's, there's a second. One, there's the white sword, and then there's the master sword. Mm-hmm. And what I recall doing a lot as a kid was the master sword was locked until you got. I guess he said until you get a certain amount of heart pieces. Mm-hmm. But the the white sword's locked until you get to a certain dungeon, and I think it's either dungeon three or dungeon five. Um, I think it might be three. And if you just walk into that dungeon, I think I think this is how it works. If you just walk into the dungeon and access it, then the white sword will become available to you and you can grab it. And it does so much more damage. So what I'd do is I'd beat the first dungeon and then I'd go and I'd look for the third dungeon. And then I'd just walk into it. I'd walk out and get the white sword and then go back to dungeon two or and then just go from there. So. And then I grinded for a while to collect, I think, the 550 coins necessary for the blue ring. Yeah, yeah. Which reduces attack damage by half. Um, I, so don't, that, I don't remember. How do you get the the big shield in that game? Is that just something you buy? Yeah, just a pretty, simple yeah, you item buy you buy. Yeah, so, rubies. yeah, I bought that, too. So you, I and like the fact that the you can kind of beef up first. And then the boomerang. boomerang you just, the boomerang you just get in the first dungeon, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. And then you get the long boomerang, and... Ah, man, I should go back and play that game now. <laughs> yes, there was things in there that I had never accomplished. Like, I never gotten the wand before in my life. Yeah. It was really neat to be like, I've never used the wand in Zelda before. And then, <laughs> you know, after I get it, I'm like, man, this is somewhat useless. <laughs> but it's good against some enemies. Not good well, it's, against the It's kind of like, yeah. Against those things that uh, fly boomerangs across the screen. The enemies that have boomerangs, it's actually yeah. ridiculously overpowered. You can just sit in the corner and uh, attack away. Well, that's good. 
<laughs> the other thing I really liked about the game is that some of the, the underground dungeons, there's actually kind of a lot of um, puzzle solving involved. Like, you really kind of have to understand what's going on and where to bomb and how the level works and things like that, which I rather enjoyed. Yeah. And it was funny, I got to that part where you're supposed to give some... Ran- in a dungeon, I don't know, like six or seven, you have to give some guy the big piece of meat. Yeah. But I don't really think there's really any hints in the game that tell you that other than like some guy you talk to says so-and-so is hungry. Well, you don't ever make that connection. (laughs) But it was still really, you know, it's one of those spots where you could probably never figure that out unless you know what you're supposed to do. Yeah, I don't know. Yes and no. I mean, the game's so limited, though. Like, you can only carry so many items. So I think if you're the kind of person where you just went and tried everything, it wouldn't take that long to figure it out. But, yeah, I mean, I kind of see what you guys are saying. Johnny said the exact same thing. He actually complained about that. I was like, "Eh, I don't remember having an issue on that part. But You just knew you read it in Nintendo Power or something? I might have. I mean, I had a Nintendo Power subscription Mm -hmm. at that time. So, I mean... (laughs) Yeah. But anyway... Uh, Actually, actually, I didn't have a subscription when uh, they did the Zelda and Zelda 2 coverage, though. So I don't I don't think I even had Nintendo Power to help me on that. But. Austin used his superior gaming instincts. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it just comes natural. Well, here's meat. Here's a guy. Let's do it. <laughs> it is a really well. Really, you know, really you know what's kind of funny is that uh, when I was in college, like the year I was actually in college, um, I had a psychology class and. Uh, as my final exam term paper or whatever, um, I had did some kind of paper on how video games could actually like teach kids to learn better. And I read this one guy's book and, uh, he mentioned how like his son just like picked up like learning certain things, like memorizing certain things and, uh, spatial and something relationships so much easier and faster than most kids would because like he played legend of Zelda. Mm-hmm. It, I don't even remember the details. This was like 12 years ago. Um, but it was kind of interesting and like, I don't even know where I was going with that, but <sighs> something about just, when you're a kid, it's just some, some things click differently than when you're an adult, mm-hmm. you know? Um, it's a good thinking game. You know, it's not just a mindless Mario game. You really have to put thought and effort and a yeah, lot of time yeah, into it. absolutely. So I think I posted a picture on the Facebook uh, page showing, hey, I've got all the hearts. Let's finish oh, this really? piece. Oh, really? I didn't see that. Yeah. I'll check that out. So, Congratulations, by the way, on all the hearts. <laughs> yeah, I got all the hearts. Yep, February Did 20. you ever play Zelda 2? No, I'm not even no. interested in it, especially after watching yeah, his review. After watching his video, just yeah. Like I would no, just, I, I love Zelda 2. I... Uh, Played the hell out of that game back in the day. I actually beat it when I was in early elementary school. That was a pretty big game and achievement for me, was beating that game. Um, I revisited it uh, a couple years ago when I started my help desk job on the graveyard shift. I picked up a Game Boy Advance SP and I, um, you know, I got the the GBA Classics version of Zelda 2 and I went, went to run through that again and, um, I had a much harder time with it as an adult than I did, you know, as a kid. But, you know, I still got through the game. But the biggest problem was that last palace. Yeah. And um, it, it's like a maze. If you don't go the right way, 
you get like shot back to yeah, you just you lose progress if you don't like make the right decisions or go the right route. So that was really confusing. I actually had to get a walkthrough for that in order to beat that game. Still, I think it's still a great game, though. I still love that game. See, I don't really mind games where you kind of have to have a walkthrough, especially like with the Zelda titles where it came with a lot of documentation. It was kind of like supplemental material. Yeah, well, they didn't come with material telling you how to get through the last palaces, though. Yeah. (laughs) Or the last final dungeon, so... Zelda 2's last dungeon, I think, is even worse than Zelda 1's last dungeon. Mm -hmm. Because Zelda 1's last dungeon is at least... Well, it's confusing, I guess, but I don't think you have, like, teleportation things that just pop you all over the place. And you don't have the same kinds of annoying enemies like the guys that are bouncing all over the place in Zelda 2 and throwing knives at you and it's Johnny uh you know he he demonstrated that perfectly in his video he's just like get away from me get away from me and these these guys just they they they're like the fastest enemies in the game and you've never seen them up until that final palace they bounce all over the screen um and they just uh it's awful <laughs> it's a uh, Aside from that, I still love Zelda 2. I love how it feels, and I love how it looks and sounds. And um, most of the dungeons aren't too difficult for me. I mean, I still have a good idea where to go on most of them. And with the experience point building system, it's kind of cool because you can actually grind at certain areas if you want. Uh, Like the first palace, there are these skulls that bounce around, and they give you 50 experience points apiece. And that's a lot of experience at that point in the game. And so what I'll do is I'll sit and grind in the very beginning. Um, So Zelda 2 definitely has its charm. I like it a lot, but that's that's more of a love-hate kind of game than the first one is, I think. Yeah. You see a lot of hate for Zelda 2 online. She also see a lot of love for it. A lot of people like it a lot. And I think for good reason. But, you know, to, uh, you know, what's kind of funny is I was watching Johnny's video on that and noticing that he wasn't playing Zelda 2 properly either. He was like, oh, there are these guys with the axes and I can't, I can't, I always get killed by them. I'm just like, you're doing it wrong, man. <laughs> <laughs> the guys with the axes, they, like, they swing and then you get like a moment of, of, of nothing and then they swing mm-hmm. nothing swing nothing so what you have to do is you have to time your attacks to where you jump and you down swipe their head um when they're not swinging so it's like i mean it requires like some pretty strict timing but you know it's perfectly doable and he was just trying to go and like thwack 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 the same with the uh some of the uh, the bigger enemies in the dungeons that have the shields and he was like, ah, these guys always kick my ass. And I'm just like, you swipe up and down and up and down and up and down. Because their shields, you know, they'll stay up for a moment, then they'll go down, then they'll go up. And it's like, um, so there's definitely a pattern to each enemy in that game. So some of his complaints were, uh, I think, just Less him not valid. knowing. Yeah. Well, not. I, I guess he hadn't played the game enough to, to know that, you know, you can actually have a lot of control over most of the enemies in the game. Mm-hmm. So now those last enemies in the in the final palace. Now that's a different story altogether. But still great reviews, though. I mean, I really enjoyed them, and I appreciated his his outlook on Zelda Two. It wasn't like I hate this. It wasn't like an I hate this game kind of outlook. It was just like I enjoy this game, but it's it's really annoying at certain parts. Yeah. So so what else has been on your plate, Chris? 
before uh, we talk about Zelda for another two hours. Um, on the, <laughs> I've actually been spending a lot of time uh, with Vanishing Point on the Sega Dreamcast. Oh, yeah? Now, during the Dreamcast days, um, racing games were probably my favorite genre. And the Dreamcast was an awesome, awesome system for racing games. Ton of classic, um, ton of classic racing games on that system. Now, Vanishing Point, I remember kind of being really excited about it. I remember reading about it in the official Dreamcast magazine. Yeah, and everybody touted its awesome visuals. The, the graphics are outstanding, really. Even today, they really stack up well. It kind of reminds me of our last episode when we were talking about Ridge Racer 6 on the Xbox, how it was just really, really squeaky clean, 60 frames per second, not a lot of motion blur and other effects. And that's kind of what most of the Dreamcast games remind me of, and especially Vanishing Point, because it really is just really, really smooth. Decent car models for the times, even on the, uh, like, just the traffic in the game. And uh, the environments are fairly detailed. It's just a really, really pretty game. The controls, on the other hand, are really bizarre. Um, They're very, very loose. It's not... What happens is... And and the steering is kind of weird, too. You can't counter-steer. So if you're, like, going to the right and you're sliding, you don't want to press left to kind of counteract that drift, which is what your instincts are, especially if you played any modern game. If you do that, your car will just immediately start sliding the other way. You have to just let go and let the car come to its own. And once you kind of, if you can, some people are just like, this controls like crap, I'm done, you know, and and might not take it any farther. But if you do kind of just get used to the unique style, it's actually very easy to control. I can uh, slide through all of the tracks without much effort. Um, So I don't really mind the controls at all. There's like a half hour learning curve maybe. But it is a very different game as far as there's really no you're not racing there's not like eight cars and you're racing to be first it, effectively it's a glorified time trial so like you'll start you know with a car which is like the ford ranger the ford explorer i believe maybe the mustang as well yeah the mustang is one of them so you pick the mustang and then you have like three different tournaments to run through so the first tournament has like two tracks two laps each the second tournament will have three tracks two laps each and the third tournament will have three tracks, three laps each. And then after that, you'll unlock the next car. And that's pretty much the game. You just pick a car, beat all the tracks that you're supposed to with it, and move forward. And you're never really racing against anybody, and you're always just racing against the clock. Like, when you hit a checkpoint, it will tell you you're in third. But it, it really doesn't mean anything. It just means you're probably not going to meet the goal time at the end. But I still rather enjoy it. The Actually, the only frustrating part I really find with the game is the traffic. Because nothing is more annoying than you're set to get first place. And then, you know, three turns to the three turns to go and uh, you go over a hill, hit a car, land upside down, spend three seconds getting your car reset, and then don't <laughs> finish, you know, in your goal time. That's yeah. probably the most frustrating part. What is kind of nice is because, for whatever reason, you do get places, so you could finish like first, third, third, and you know you won the three-race tournament. What's kind of nice about it is it's kind of random, so you could finish like first, third, third, and then you know you didn't win, and then you could finish first, third, third, and then because the AI finished in different spots, you do win and get to move on, which is kind of nice. Because of the difficulty, you're not forced to win every race every time. It's really just not possible. So the controls are a bit wonky. 
the gameplay style is a bit wonky, but it, it's so pretty. And uh, I think I might actually record some footage for that one. Speaking of pretty Dreamcast games, I loaded up uh, Crazy Taxi last night. And man, that game still looks great. It's something about that game. Like, maybe it's the 60 frames a second. That helps a lot. But man, some of these Dreamcast games still hold up really good, I think. What's nice about that is kind of, yeah, it just goes back to the same thing. When you just sort of get rid of everything and just throw polygons and textures on the screen at 60 frames per second, you know, that particular art style is very appealing. And that game's yeah. pretty massive as well. And the textures are actually pretty good too. The Dreamcast never really had a problem with blurry textures. Depending on the game. Some games are really bad offenders, but a lot of games, you know, you got decent decent quality and decent enough quality textures to hold up well enough today. You know, you got most Dreamcast games still look like pretty pretty decent, like Xbox Live Arcade games or something like that, yeah. you know. So. They have definitely held up, unlike PlayStation and some N64 games. Yeah, as far as Vanishing Point, that's actually one I tried to revisit uh, a little ways back when I started collecting Dreamcasts again. And uh, I actually, that was a game I bought when it came out. It was like one of those 30 or $40 games when it came out. It wasn't full price. And I picked it up and just remember not really enjoying it at all. Mm-hmm. It was probably because of the steering. It was really, really weird. Yeah. Uh, but I got it because it got kind of like rave reviews on the, the Dreamcast-specific sites I went to. And people raved about its graphics. And graphics were a big seller for me back then. Yeah. Because uh, I, I liked being impressed with the games I bought. Yeah. That was, you know, that's just something I've always liked in gaming. Games these days don't really impress me. But games back then did. And that was part of the, you know, the perceived value I got when I bought a game. Yeah, um, that you're playing the latest and greatest, especially when you yeah. were, were a Dreamcast gamer because you kind of had some insecurities because of the the pending PlayStation 2. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there was that, definitely. But uh, going back to the game, I was able to get, you know, I was able to wrap my head around the controls a little bit better, but I still didn't play it that much. I think I got to, like, the third track. It was cool, though, and it's one I, I'm definitely going to revisit in the future. And for those of you guys that want to try Vanishing Point, it's one of the cheapest Dreamcast racing games. Like, people oh, no, just, is it really? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> people terrible. just don't... I mean, a lot of Dreamcast games are pretty cheap, especially the racing games. I mean, racing games for Dreamcast. I think San Francisco Rush 2049, um, I think that might be like the only somewhat expensive racing game where it's like 20 or $25. The rest of them are really cheap. Um, Speaking of vanishing points, vanishing points like the cheapest of the bunch. Though you can get it for like five dollars, um, like probably five dollars shipped on eBay or something. So it's complete in box and everything. Oh, so yeah. I'm looking at Moby shit. Games, looking at the yeah. reviews it got back in 2000 and 2001, and it was definitely highly praised at the time. Yeah. So I mean, definitely check it out if you're interested. It's a really cool game. And again, if you want something to to kind of show off to your friends, like, man, this is what the Dreamcast looked like back in the day. Like, Vanishing Point's one of the games to do it. I think it's uh, a little rough on certain parts. Um, something about how, like, the camera moves. It's the camera like, has a weird, yeah. slight jerk sometimes. I, I don't yeah, know how exactly. to explain it. So it's not super, super, super smooth, but it, it's it's pretty, pretty, pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um you know, speaking of Dreamcast games, though, Chris, I already mentioned Crazy Tax. I actually played it last night, but I actually loaded up a Dreamcast game I picked up last week. 
And I'm not sure how I feel about it because it was pretty pricey. Um, it's a Japanese import. It's called Trizeal, T-R-I-Z-E-A-L. I've, and, I've um, heard of it, but I don't really have... Is it a shooter? Yeah, it's a vertical shoot 'em up Apparently, it's a port of an arcade game by Triangle Service. And, um, yeah, you know, to be honest, I'm not terribly impressed with the game. It's got a very old-school kind of vibe, though, where there's not a ton of bullets on the screen. And once you get to stage two, you've, you're blowing up tanks and so forth on the ground, kind of like old-school Raiden or Twin Cobra or something like that, Sky Shark, etc., um, you can watch a video on it. I'm going to probably have to give it some more time, but it's, it's very rough around the edges. The graphics are not impressive at all. And this is a Dreamcast game that came out. I think it came out in like 2005 or something yeah, in Japan. Yeah, like 2005, a very late yeah. release. Yeah. So it's, uh, there are, from what I can tell, there are much better shooters in the Dreamcast, but, uh, I'm going to have to give it more time to be honest. I've only gotten to the third stage and, it didn't grab me at all after trying it a couple times, and I just put it back on the shelf. So it's one I'll have to revisit down the road. But that was kind of an impulse buy uh, last weekend. I went to East Starland and uh, I picked up Trizio because I'd never played it before. So, um, yeah. So you kind of touched upon something. Right now, Dreamcast games are, are very, very, very cheap. Um, and I'm starting to notice that some of the things like a couple years ago, three to five years ago, um, specifically 32X games and Jaguar games seem to have really skyrocketed in price. Games that I picked up for $20 seem almost unobtainable at this point. Yeah. Especially on the J, eh, both of those systems in particular. It seems to be getting harder and harder to find some of the, the less common titles like Blackthorn on the 32X or even something like um, the, the Rally Racing game. Um, or even Power Ride Drive and Rally. Power Drive Rally and Raiden on the Jaguar seem to be really going up in price. Well, Raiden is one of those games that's always been in like the twenty something dollar range, and um, you know it appears it comes and goes on places like eBay. Like there will be dry spells, and then you'll have fifteen copies at once show up. So I mean, and that's how a lot of the games are. I think both those systems kind of go through dry spells. I know there was there was a dry spell when I was looking for Jaguar games myself, but then, you know, some weeks it's dry, some weeks there's just a lot to choose from, and the prices fluctuate as a result. Um, so I, I, yeah, I mean, those systems weren't as popular either, though. Like the Jaguar only sold what two hundred something thousand units when it was out. I mean, how many units were still in warehouses, though? Another 100,000? 200,000? It's uh, 50,000? 250,000 total. About 150,000 sold during its two and a half year lifespan, with another 100,000 sitting in warehouses and then, you know, going to liquidators. Those 100,000 are, you know, they're drying up big time. I mean, those prices, if you go to like, uh, I think Best Electronics or. BNC Computer Visions. I don't remember which one it is, but they sold new in box Jaguar systems, and I think they still have them. But I think they want like 170 or 200 something dollars for them now, because they're probably running low on them. That's actually where I, I got my Jag yeah. from. About uh, probably about 10 years ago, is from one of those sites, and I paid 99 for a brand new in box yeah, Jag. Brand new in box one. Um, 
So, I mean, how many games are out there, too, though? I mean, if there's only 250,000 yeah, Jaguar units produced. Yeah, 10,000, 5,000. Exactly. And then run. thanks to things like YouTube, you've got forums, you've got very diehard Jag communities as well. Um, it, it's I, I think it's natural that things are going to dry up. It's not like the Dreamcast. I mean, the Dreamcast had millions and millions of systems. I don't think the Dreamcast is ever going to really shoot up in price hardware-wise. I think some of the games might, but I from agree. a hardware standpoint, I don't think it'll always be cheap. I mean, it'll be- what console that has sold well is still expensive today? None. I'm like the Atari 2600, super cheap. The ColecoVision, not as cheap, but still cheap. The Intellivision, cheap. The NES, cheap. You know, SNES, uh, Genesis, PlayStation, N64, et cetera, et cetera. They're all cheap. Um, so Dreamcast, I think, is going to be the same way. Uh, but, yeah, so there's more obscure systems that uh, <laughs> there's not as much to go around. So, and, yeah. I need- then you've always got people like uh, you and I kind of like wanting to try out new things. And podcasts like ours are hopefully getting people interested in some of these things. You know, maybe we've we've reached out to a handful of people that discovered the Jaguar because of our show or something like that. You've got a lot of, you know, things like that happening every day, you know, from YouTube channels to podcasts to radio shows, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, the collecting scene might be expanding, but the, the actual hardware out there is not. <laughs> so. All right. I disappeared for 30 seconds. I apologize. Oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think some of these Dreamcast games that, uh, <laughs> some of the Dreamcast games that are a lot less common, I think have the potential to really go up in price over the next decade. No, no, they do. I, I foresee some Dreamcast games going up quite a bit, but uh, there's a lot of stuff on the Dreamcast that I don't foresee going up. Like Vanishing Point? Um, well, I mean, Vanishing Point is one of those that could potentially go up, but... There might be less less like less of a likelihood that it will because it's also available on the PlayStation. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of those multi platform yeah, games I, I might not go up as much, but uh, those exclusives or arcade ports like uh, Power, Power Stone, Stone Power Stone <laughs> Two. I mean, Power Stone's available on the PSP, but I mean, people it's not, kind of forget about the PSP. Yeah, it's do. not as doesn't have that same allure. It's not a you know? real system, Austin. <laughs> Whatever, man. PSP's great. <laughs> Actually, speaking of which, I got to get my component cables back out there on my uh, HDTV because I picked up uh, Ridge Racer on the PSP last week as well. And I played that. Uh, it's pretty, pretty damn good. Um, so I'm going to have to play that on the, uh, the HDTV using my component cables. But yeah, Dreamcast stuff, man, it's... Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see where that goes from a collector's standpoint. Mm-hmm. I mean, things are really cheap right now. I've been able to build up uh, 200-something Dreamcast games, mostly U.S. games in my collection, and uh, it hasn't cost me that much. I mean, granted, I've been buying games at full retail value because Dreamcast games I just I don't find in the wild. I, I've noticed I that, I found too. very few in the wild, yeah. I either have to buy them at dedicated video game shops or on places like eBay, or get lucky and clean someone out on a web forum that's like cleaning out their collection. So, and that's only happened like once or twice. So, so I've been I've been paying you know minimum 
like five, six, seven dollars a pop for each game, and even that's not that much in the grand scheme of things compared to paying like fifteen plus for some NES carts and things like that, and twenty and up. Actually, there's a lot of NES games that are like over twenty bucks. So. I don't know. If you can get big lots in places like eBay, that's a great start as well. I mean, you could pay $75, get a console with like 25 games, you know. Really good deal. So, the other thing. It will be interesting to see where it goes, though. I was going to. I really wanted to have a video review up of Aero Fighters for the Super Nintendo. But my S-Video cable kind of died, so I ordered... So actually what I did, I'm like, yeah, I'll just play through Super Mario Land 2. So um, I was going to do a, like a long play, and I recorded the entire thing, you know, and I did live commentary. And then when I got done, I wasn't happy with the video quality. I was really unhappy with the audio quality. I didn't pay attention enough to do a test run to make sure that the um, the Elgato game capture software was doing what I wanted it to do. And uh, so my voice was too quiet and the game was too loud. And then because I was talking, I couldn't really use the footage <laughs> in an actual review. Um, but I did actually beat through the entire game in one sitting. <laughs> and it is still one of my favorite platformers of all time. Yeah, Mario Land 2 is fantastic. That's another one I should go back and revisit, but... I played the crap out of it when I was a kid. Yeah, me too. It was uh, many, many good memories with that game. It's fun. I remember the last castle being a little tricky, but uh, I thought it was Wario's castle. I thought but, it was too. I actually, in this playthrough, beat the entire last castle without ever dying. <laughs> I just whipped right through it like it was show no how problem. Much we sucked as kids. Yeah, I was like, man, <laughs> I don't remember if this game, you know, is just ridiculously easy or if I've just played it so many times. It's just you know muscle memory at this point. Yeah, like you and your. Well, what what I found is that as I've gotten older, uh, platformers in particular have gotten much easier for me. Um, maybe it's just being much better with like the spatial relationships now as an adult, uh, having played, you know, having had so many more years of experience under my belts as far as gaming. Mm-hmm. A lot of the patterns just come so much more naturally for me, like to the point where like I'll play brand new games I've never played before. And it'll look like I've been playing it for 10 years. I mean, it's that sort of phenomenon. So, um, It's a cheap one. If you have a GameCube player, if you have a Super Game Boy, or like a Game Boy Advance SP, I believe, can still play Game Boy games, correct? Uh, yeah. Um, you should definitely check that out. Wait. Game Boy... I don't remember yeah. if the Game Boy... No, it does, yeah. It's the DS that chopped out Game Boy compatibility. Yeah. Like, original Game Boy. Yeah. Which is a shame. Oh, well. It is kind of weird. I don't know why they would do that. But anyway, really, really good game. So that's kind of what's occupied most of my time. Just a quick F question for you. Do you like Strike Gunner STG, or is that kind of a meh game? It's kind of meh. It's, it's, it's average. It's not terrible but it's not great mm-hmm. um i i actually did a casual review on it and posted it on your website probably about a year ago and it's um you know if you stick with it i think it can be somewhat enjoyable but it's very repetitive mm-hmm. um if you crank it on to the hardest skill mode it's actually really intense it's you really have to be on your a game which i can't say the same for a lot of super nintendo shoot 'em ups but the the graphics are just it's not even like the graphics themselves are bad. It's just that 
they're very monotonous. Like the very first level, you're flying over this forest, and it's just oh, this forest, yes. same texture over and over and over. And then like three quarters of the way through the level, you see a river, and you're like, oh my god, a river! I'm going somewhere. And then it goes back to the repeating forest over and over again, and that's that's the entire level first level that's it's, right. it's pretty bad yeah i remember um, when you did that super nintendo marathon of <laughs> shmups but some of them blurred together yeah. and i couldn't remember which ones were which but i picked that up when i picked up arrow fighters just because it was a super nintendo shooter that i didn't own but i haven't played it well, yeah i was looking at your uh, your facebook page and i saw that and i saw i just commented on it um but how much did you pay for the uh, strike gunner oh i'm sure too much i think it was either 15 or 20 no, 15s, I mean, that. strangely, it's not as common as other Super Nintendo shoot-em-ups. So I think when I bought it, I had to pay like 15. Yeah. It had the box, but it was it was faded and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So, oh, it does look like yeah, it's, it's fairly it's, uncommon. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's. I think Nintendo Age rates it like a rarity 6 or something, which is up there in terms of SNES rarity. Um, not to get way off topic fighters, here, but, but have you noticed yeah. like the last eBay update is amazing like when you do a search you can very quickly with one click see the completed listings and the sold listings yeah it's it's good in that regard it used to be buried and it's really bad on the mobile site yeah but on the regular old ebay that's very nice Hmm. well thanks for getting me distracted chris now i had to look for pinball machines on ebay (laughs) Alrighty, i'm so sorry so that kind of wraps up what i've been playing over the last couple of weeks um, uh, I was going to say something. Yeah, the Dreamcast. Yeah, I don't know. I think I was going to talk about the XRGB Mini, but yes, it's amazing. Oh, we've talked about that enough. We don't need to talk about that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I continue to profess my love for the XRGB Mini. I make love to it every night. I like how on the Strike Gunner STG <laughs> box, they kind of make the STG like it's supposed to be the ST in Strike and the G in Gunner, but it's really shooting game. Yeah. If you were in Japan. Alrighty. Anyway, what have you been up to, Austin? What have I been up to? Not a, not a whole lot. I've uh, spent this last entire week, week and a half, pretty much working on my question and answer session oh, on my YouTube. God. I haven't finished that. Uh, did you watch some of it, though? Uh, I think the first 50 minutes. Okay. Well, that's that's a good portion of it. I think it's it's like an hour and... 47 might be an hour minutes. and 45 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not even halfway. Um <laughs> the first take was three hours long oh no and then my camera footage cut out and then i was like i rambled on for too long so i was like you know what i'm gonna do this over start from scratch and i did still managed to cook up a two hour and something long video um got it down to an hour and 47 after chopping out a lot of the spaces and the ums mm-hmm. and stuff like that and some of the rambling that was just unnecessary so i tightened it up a little bit nice uh, from what you actually hear right now but um that's basically it. I actually haven't had a lot of time to play. Um, although last week, and I was busy as well, there was a pinball tournament uh, called the Fairfax Pinball Open. And that was a lot of fun. There was um, Because the bar closed down that we used to play pinball at, yeah. um, they had to rent out a hotel room space to do the tournament. And they rented out this like conference room from a hotel and uh, managed to fit 38 pinball machines in there. Nice. Uh, and it was free play all weekend and it ran 24 hours for two days straight and uh, it was pretty awesome. Uh, unfortunately I got knocked out on the first part of the main tournament in the A division, but, uh, 
I had a good game at least, good games against the guy I was playing with, so it wasn't like I got totally raped or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, everyone got pretty hammered and um, played pinball till like <laughs> 7 a.m. in the morning each each day. So uh, that was a lot of fun. Is- so aside from that, I, I mean, I haven't... Um, I haven't really been up to too much more in gaming wise because it's just that Q and A video just took me forever to edit and uh, yeah, what a pain! I'm I'm glad that's over with. I mean, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the the end result, especially after like adding footage on top and things like that. Um, but I yeah, I'm, I don't ever plan on doing something like that again. <laughs> is, is Fairfax like a like a hotbed for pinball? Is that like a big area in the country for pinball? <laughs> Or is it like an East Coast not, thing? Well, or No, not really. No. I mean, pinball is very... Well, Fairfax is a good spot for people to sort of congregate at. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, Northern Virginia players, but because, you know, Northern Virginia and Maryland are so close to each other that a lot of the Maryland players are also included. Um, it's easy for people from Pennsylvania to come down. Mm-hmm. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. So, but um, over the years, I think it's become a pretty, pretty well-regarded tournament, and we've got players from all over the place coming. And one guy is a vendor from Ohio that drives down, and that's a trip. I think that's like, it's a pretty long trip. So, I mean, we get a lot of a lot of players coming from all over the place. But I don't know if I'd say it's a hotbed. I mean, this is really something that's been building over the last fifteen slash twenty years. Yeah. I mean, uh, the the league, the Fairfax League, anyway, when it started, was just a few people strong, mm-hmm. and they played a league at a place that only had like two or three pinball machines, and it's grown and it's grown. And when they found John's place, which is kind of the dive bar that it was at for a long time, yeah. it expanded. You know, they picked people up, they posted flyers all over the place, and they've had um, news promotion. Like they got, they would always get in the newspaper and things like that. And what's actually kind of cool is uh, this last one we actually got in the Washington Post, I believe. Um, nice. So, yeah, I mean, there's guys out there that, that managed to get it on, like, a couple radio stations. And that actually got random people out in the street to come in and check it out and just play some free pinball. So, it's growing. I mean, I don't, I don't, still don't know if I'd say it's a hotbed. Yeah. But... Uh, it's been something that's been kind of like cooking up over the last decades, last few decades. Mm-hmm. So, pinball itself is very—it's—it's it's a very niche thing. It's not popular at all. It's—it's it's died. And um, the people that are into it, though, I, it's probably kind of a bad comparison to make. Is—is is they kind of remind me of like the Jaguar scene a bit. Minus the schizophrenic and crazy <laughs> nature, <laughs> yeah, they're they're very very diehard about their their hobby. So, so even though pinball is still pretty small, you still got a lot, quite a few people that are just very hardcore hardcore about it, yeah. very serious about it, and uh, lots of people with lots of money too that are able to just buy the new machines that come out, which are like five grand, six grand, seven grand if you want the limited editions. So. Yeah. But pinball is a thing run by adults. It isn't like certain aspects of video games where it's based around teenagers. I mean, pinball is not popular in the mainstream anymore. So the guys that make up the majority of the pinball crowd are in the 30s, 40s, 50s, etc. Um, 
many of them are older from those guys that grew up in the, you know, the, the early electromechanical days. So, yeah, yeah pinball goes way back, too, which makes it kind of interesting as well. You meet people of, you know, all ages when you go to a tournament. I mean, there was a couple guys here that must have been like 70 playing like competitively. Yeah. <laughs> so it's really interesting. And, um, and what else have you been up to? Um, uh, Any games? No gaming this week? <laughs> all pinball? No, I mean, I haven't... Uh, well, actually, that's true. I actually have been playing some Gauntlet Legends with my brother in the N64. Uh, each night, what we're doing is we're playing through like a stage or two. Yeah. Just working our way, just bit by bit. And... Uh, you know, it's been a long time since I played that specific version of Gauntlet Legends. And, you know, Gauntlet Legends was an arcade game I got hooked to. I was able to get my name on the the top scoreboard for each character mm-hmm. on the uh, the local machine at, uh, well, the, the local arcade we used to have. And um, so I played the crap out of the arcade game, got to know it very well. And then after that, being hooked in the arcade game, I tracked down lots of different console versions, like the PlayStation 1, the N64 1, the Dreamcast, PS2, then Xbox. Um, and the N64 versions always kind of impressed me because the N64 wasn't quite up to snuff compared to like the Dreamcast or the PS2. Mm-hmm. But thanks to the expansion pack, they still managed a very faithful version of Gauntlet Legends on the N64. It's pretty solid. Uh, the graphics are kind of muddy, and you know, it, it probably has a slightly lower polygon count overall than, say, the Dreamcast one. But it's a very playable game. It, it still runs at a good frame rate. Uh, with my brother and I playing at the same time, there's tons of projectiles going around everywhere. It's it's the frame rate still keeps up yeah. miraculously, and it's still a lot of fun to play. I mean, I love Gauntlet Legends. It's uh, it's just a fun game. So, have you ever played that series, uh, the more, you know, Legends or Dark Legacy? I have only actually played uh, Gauntlet 2 on the original NES. Yeah. Um, me, it was back when we kind of, it was back in the day, but it was pre-internet. It was probably like 1995, and you kind of just went to the used game store, traded in the stuff you were done with, and then just, you know, based your purchasing decisions on how cool the, you know, the, the art looked on the cart. <laughs> and the artwork on Gauntlet 2 was pretty awesome. So we got Gauntlet 2, and actually me and my sister would burn out on that game for hours, because if you had more than one player, you could, effectively, it didn't matter how many times you died, um, and you could just play on forever. I don't even know how many levels were in that game, if I'm honest. I, I don't think Gauntlet 2 even ended on the NES. I think it was think randomly it generated, and it just kind of went on forever. But I remember being really impressed by that as a kid because it was an NES game and it actually had speech. Now, somehow when I was a kid, I could understand what they were saying. Like now, it just sounds like mumbled garbage. But at the time, it was pretty amazing. (laughs) You know? It was like uh, NBA Jam and Gauntlet 2 were just like mind-blowing. Like, oh my god, these games have real voices. How can that be? Well, I remember when I uh, started collecting Master System games back in the day and it was... um it was like Sega's baseball game, mm-hmm. and I think that had voices in it. Wait, I might be confusing that with uh, Bases Loaded on the NES. I'm not sure. Actually, both of them might have had voices in it. Blades of Steel. But, but that always kind of impressed me. Blades of Steel impressed so. me as well. 
Blades of Steel was actually a good game. And now. it was a good game. Guanla 2 is an amazing game. <laughs> I should bust that out. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's terrible. It is terrible. Is it? <laughs> I, I played for hours and hours and hours. I know. I, I played it for hours and hours, too. I had a buddy that had Gauntlet 2, and... and um, it's, <laughs> you know, it, it's not really terrible. I mean, it's like the arcade game, but it's... Any game that just goes on forever that's not like a shoot 'em up or like early, early arcade game, just... I have a hard time having the desire to play. And Gauntlet 2 on the NES is one of those. It's like, what's the point in playing it? It just keeps going and going and going. Mm -hmm. Like, you'd have to be like a real score monger to try to get anywhere in that game. You know, just just see the highest score you can get without dying. And um, the game definitely looks slower than I remember. Then again, he is playing with the Red Warrior. Yeah. Red Warrior... Blue Elf needs food badly. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> is it really you know, not? I, does it really just go on forever? I, yeah, I'm pretty sure the I'm pretty sure the first two on the NES just go on forever. That's so bizarre. Yeah. Yeah, it actually looks all right though. I mean, I'll shoot you a video, provided it doesn't you know destroy our podcast <laughs> or destroy your internet connection. Yeah, my internet's been flaky um, lately. I. Yeah, I noticed you were breaking up a little bit earlier. But. Yeah, I don't know. I think uh, I think I'm. I don't really have any options left. I have UVerse and I have Time Warner, and I don't really care for either of them. I mean, you guys don't have an option to raise the amount of data that comes through to you. I did. I'm on the I second mean, to highest tier. On uh, second to highest tier, you're only at like 12 gigabits per or something, right? 12 megabits per second. Um, I think I'm. I don't know what I'm paying for, but in actuality, I get about 18 down. But the up is still. There's just something wrong. I should be getting more than a meg and a half up. I think I'm supposed to be getting like yeah. three and a half megs up. Okay. I don't know. I think everybody in this apartment complex has UVerse, and I think it just destroys. You know, everything. It just sucks. Yeah. Um, where was I going to go with that? I don't that? know. I got I was way going off to say, track. <laughs> yeah, sidetracked. I was going to mention that uh, Gauntlet Legends doesn't get a very good rap from, you know, original Gauntlet fans. Mm-hmm. Because in reality, it is a pretty different game. But I, I really like Gauntlet Legends. I, I still really enjoy it to this day. Probably at least once a year. Uh, I have to run through that game to a certain degree. I have to run through a few worlds, and the bosses are epic in that game. And that's something you didn't really have in the old Gauntlet games was bosses. Um, it still has a lot of the old traits, though. Like you know, you still have Red Warrior needs food badly and things like that. That's awesome. And that's always been fun. <laughs> yeah, it's like a nice throwback. And uh, but I like they kind of introduced that like turbo system. Like you had an NBA Jam. Where you had a turbo meter and you can press a run button basically, mm-hmm. but that would also act as your like super meter as well. You had three different super attacks, and then you could also do hand to hand attacks if you got close enough to enemies, and um, you could actually do another turbo attack where like you'd headbutt an enemy. Like if you wanted to go up and try to attack a golem head to head, which they're like the really big enemies that take a lot of hits, you can like headbutt them and knock them back, and then you can get away. There's some really cool things like that you could do in the game. And um, once you know how to play the game and how to pace yourself, I think the game is very controllable as well. And I don't know if I can say the same for the original Gauntlets because they just seem like they get absurdly crazy. Like even the first Gauntlet, I mean, I think it's obvious that game was meant to be played with four players. Mm -hmm. 
But Gauntlet Legends, you can play solo and enjoy it just as much as as you would, you know, with people. How does the I don't N64 know. version compare to the Dreamcast version? It's pretty good, uh, but the Dreamcast version is much better. I mean, the Dreamcast version runs at 60 frames a second much more often. The Dreamcast version does chop up. Uh, what is kind of interesting, though, is that the N64 one is actually sort of a hybrid. It's uh, It has stages from Dark Legacy, which Dark Legacy was the follow-up to Legends in the arcade. It was basically Legends, but it had extra worlds you can go to, extra bosses, a few different extra traits. Um is basically a Gauntlet Legends 1.5 or something like that, um, but they just advertise it as like a full blown, uh, you know, sequel or add on. So, kind of like NBA Jam and NBA Jam TE. You know, yeah. there was enough to warrant the TE, but it was still basically the same game. You know, mm-hmm. with a bunch of extra stuff, or like Mortal Kombat 3 and then Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3. You know, that's kind of how Gauntlet Legends and Dark Legacy are. But uh, that's the that's the interesting thing about the N64 one is that it features elements from Dark Legacy and some of the Gauntlet Legend stages from the arcade, like the Forest Realm and the uh, the Egyptian Realm, were chopped out. So, you know, it's it's interesting in that regard. The Dreamcast one mirrors the arcade game much better. You've got all the original worlds. You get the you know the main mountain realm. You've got the castle realm. You've got the uh, forest realm, and then you've got the uh, the Egyptian realm, and then that's the game, just like the arcade game was. Uh, the level design in the Dreamcast one also mirrors the arcade much more, um, much more. Some levels are a little bit different in the Dreamcast one than the arcade, mm-hmm. but for the most part, the levels mirror the arcade version very well. The N64 one, some of the stages are just completely different. Like, you're in the same types of areas, and you got the same kind of music and the same kinds of enemies, but the structure is different. So, uh, I think that's probably in some cases uh, due to, like, you know, system limitations and things like that. So, like, the first level of the... Um, uh, the the third world in the N64 version, which is basically, I think, equivalent of the first level in Dark Legacy, is just like, it's it's different. Um, so it's really interesting in that regard. And the, and the thing is, it's still a, a ton of fun to play. It's still very playable. Uh, the Dreamcast version and the PS2 versions and the Xbox and GameCube versions are definitely the way to go if you want your your gauntlet modern gauntlet fix but uh the n64 version is still great um and because it's still so much fun i think that's why the game still holds its value pretty well like cartridge only it's still like a 20 dollars game so yeah so that's about how much i paid for it to get a copy on ebay um so but yeah ton of fun Uh, my brother about you know three quarters of the way through it so you know, maybe by the end of the weekend we'll have it finished, or sometime by, you know, maybe by the end of next week we'll have it finished. So, uh, definitely a good game to play with other people, that's for sure. Yeah, I like how the Dreamcast and N64 had the four controller ports, and you'd play together rather than online. Yeah, I much prefer uh, local gaming to online gaming. I just can't... Uh, online gaming's fun in bursts, but... I don't like having my life revolve around having to talk to somebody online, mm-hmm. you know, to play games with. I'd rather play games with people in person. And that's yet another reason why, like, I loved arcades. It's like I got to socialize with people in person. 
And that's probably one of the things that keeps me playing a lot of pinball is that I get that arcade-like experience. You know, yeah. every Monday I socialize with a bunch of people in person. I'm not, you know, I'm not yeah. talking into a headset for hours at a time. Yeah. So, like, this is different. We're recording a show, you know. But if I'm going to, you know, sit down and play games, I'd rather be able to do that in person. Yeah, we never, so. yeah, we never did even get around to playing Halo, the original, the remake. Well, yeah, that's because I, I let my Xbox Live subscription run out. And actually, Halo Anniversary is cheap enough now to where I'd like to pick it up again. But, you know, I'd, I'm probably not going to do it until I get my Live Gold subscription up again. Mm-hmm. So, now I actually had, a, I noticed a couple friends started playing Minecraft, apparently, mm-hmm. on Xbox. Um, Be careful, it's addicting. <laughs> oh, Yeah. But uh, I, I'd like to play with them, and then you guys, of course. But uh, I, I don't really feel like paying sixty dollars to do that. You know, eighty dollars actually, because I got to pay twenty just to get Minecraft, and then I've got to pay uh, another sixty to re-up my Xbox Live Gold. And I don't. Eh. I mean, I could pay this seven dollars, but like, what if I do get addicted? Yeah. I don't want to pay another seven dollars. I'm going to re-up completely, and it's just like. I hate Microsoft service, man. It's like, <laughs> and what I don't get now is that like you've got to pay sixty dollars, but on the free version you can still like post high scores and stuff like that. So it's like that's really all I care about right now. I'm just playing a lot of Pinball FX2 as well, and uh, I'm just posting my high scores. If I can keep doing that, then like <laughs> I, don't I think really the care main reason why we have. Uh, gold is honestly because when you have gold it lets you use things like hulu plus and netflix which is a bit absurd if i'm honest but that's kind of why we. well have i've got it. my wii in my room now i uh because i got the wii u i put the original wii back in my room and what do you know i've got netflix on it <laughs> i've just been been watching netflix as well each night it's just like i don't need to pay 60 dollars yeah, to do it, this it on my 360 suck. it sucks for me because i i've got two xboxes um each with a gold two account. different accounts mm-hmm. yeah oh geez yeah, it's just uh, you know, one hundred and twenty dollars a year for really no good reason. I I will say though, you know, it's been a while since I've really looked at the PlayStation Network at all, but I would imagine X, the online offered by Microsoft is still probably better than the free PlayStation services, or or no? I don't know. Me either. I mean, I don't have a PlayStation. It depends. <laughs> I mean, I like. Uh I don't know. Microsoft definitely has a good service. I mean, their servers are really fast. Like, if you try to download something off Microsoft servers, like, I had to download a three megabyte file, and you're probably saying to yourself, well, three megabytes, but it was like two seconds and the file was done. And it's the same way if you if you download Windows updates, yeah. you get straight from Microsoft. They download at like a lightning pace. Their servers are very quick. Although, if you download something from PlayStation Network, it's usually slow as balls. Yeah. Like, if I download a PSP game, like a 320 megabyte PS1 Classic will probably take, like, 15 minutes to download. Oof. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Whereas Xbox Live, it's done in, like, two minutes, three minutes. You know, it, it downloads very quickly. So, that's a perk, but I'm not paying the $60 to still get that perk, you know. So, I mean, they're, they're I don't know. It's got its ups and downs, I guess. I, I what I what really gets me is that even when you're paying the six, six I'm sorry, even when you're paying the sixty dollars a year, yeah, they still bombard your console with ads and stuff like that. And 
I've I've like my my like for the Xbox 360 is kind of like dwindled over the years through each uh, you know dashboard update because they always introduce more and more ads. Mm-hmm. It's like it's kind of like ruining you know the experience for me like i don't turn on a video game console to get bombarded with ads like facebook does you know but that's kind of what the 360 is turning into and definitely does not make me feel good about the next upcoming generation like i play games and stuff to get away from that kind of crap you know yeah so yeah it'll be interesting (laughs) it'll be very interesting i uh, for whatever reason at my job, um, like if you've worked in a call center or if you do work in a call center, I believe the standard is, you know, if you meet certain metrics every quarter, you'll get like a bonus, probably 500 bucks or something like that. Has that kind of been your experience in call center jobs, Austin? Hell no, man. I work in a government facility, uh, so they don't care about bonuses. They don't even care about quality. They don't even care about quality. <laughs> it's pretty awful, actually. Yeah, it sounds that way. <laughs> Um, but anyway, um, I'm kind of, I don't even know what to explain. Anyway, I've got a nice bonus coming and, uh, I've been thinking about, you know, making another big purchase, paying off the credit card, um, and obviously paying for that engine for my car. And, uh, just looking at the Wii U, $350, I have the money and I'm just like, I can't be bothered. Do it. And then I really am not excited or I don't really have any interest in what the next Xbox or PlayStation will bring anyway. I actually watched about 45 minutes of the the live PlayStation 4 conference. I'm just like, this is all kind of neat, but I don't care. I don't care. The Wii U is, I'm enjoying it much more now since I've got the main system update. Mm -hmm. And the tablet controller really does work well. I do have a couple gripes, though. Like, when you're watching Netflix, the tablet tablet controller never turns off. Yeah. So, what I'll do, then, is if I'm watching a movie, I'll just, like, redock the controller or just set it out of out of sight. Um, I hope they fix some things like that because it's really unnecessary. Why does the screen need to stay on when you're watching Netflix on your TV? Mm-hmm. You know, you're just, you're just wasting the battery power on the controller. And it only lasts a few hours as it is. You know, it'll be good for a night's worth of gaming, then you'll have to charge it up. Um, but that's what the docking station's for. Yeah, I just put it back on the docking station when I'm not using mm-hmm. it. Um, and uh, it, I'm, I'm enjoying, like, how it's set up, though. Like, I'm appreciative of Nintendo's kind of how they're going about, you know, distributing games and things like that you go to their their online store you know it's simple and when you're on the main dashboard you're not bombarded with ads there's not a single advertisement Mm -hmm. it's like the wii it's like i I feel like i'm still on a video game console despite having all these options on my main wii u screen so the only problem with the wii u really is just there's nothing really coming out for it it's just i've heard (laughs) that complaint I think Amazon's yeah. gaming official Twitter site made fun of that fact. Yeah, yeah, I actually heard about that this past week. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to complain too much about that because I've got so many other things on my plate anyway. Like, what I'll do is, as the games get cheaper, I'll probably eventually buy, like, you know, Batman Arkham City because apparently it's a great game on any system. And then I think one of the Mass Effects came out and then... um. I'll probably try the Ninja Gaiden down the road. There's also that Dynasty Warriors game I wouldn't mind trying out. And then there's that, uh, the, uh, which, what do you call it? The, uh, 
Uh, <laughs> never mind. There's some other game that's like a beat 'em up. I totally forgot. Uh, um, uh, sorry, Fist of the North Star. My bad. I don't know why I couldn't. Uh, <laughs> well, it doesn't exactly uh, roll off the tongue. Is, is catching up with me. Yeah. So that looks pretty cool as well. But you know, I don't really have a desire to run out and pick those up right now. I've still got New Super Mario Brothers. I haven't finished, and I've barely even dived into Nintendo Land. Like that's something. I want to play more of like there's that Donkey Kong game and then there's that uh, balloon fight game mm-hmm. or balloon trip and uh, I haven't really dived into that too much so I need to do that more and uh, then I've got the Sega and Sonic All-Stars Racing transformed which is really good so hey if you decide to get one though I, I think you'll be I don't know you might be happy with it we can link up and um, talk to each other in Miiverse which is actually really cool that's one aspect I really like is you can actually multitask on the Wii U. Like, you're in a game, you can hit the home button, and you can go to the Miiverse, which is kind of like a Facebook for your, your Mii characters. And you can, like, post on the wall for specific games, and people will, like, upvote your posts and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, it's You can even take screenshots of the games and post them on the wall. So you can, like, post high scores yeah. on, like, these message boards. And you can basically have, like, little mini competitions with people. It's really, really neat. And um, it's cool how you can just, in the middle of the game, hit the home button, go to the Miiverse, type up a note, send a message to someone, and then hit the home key and go back to your game where you left off. And it's just... I like that multitasking aspect, and it, it's not as cumbersome as like doing it on Xbox Live or something like that. So, it's some things I really, really like about the Wii U, and I'm, I'm definitely uh, warming up to the system quite a bit. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so I, you know, I guess that probably wraps things up for us, Chris. I mean, we're kind of like reaching for things to talk about right now. <laughs> there is no we. I'm, no, uh, I, I, I'm pretty. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm looking forward. I'm hoping to get a video out this week. I wanted to last week, but I, you know, I wasn't happy with the the footage I've recorded. So, I think I might uh, take the Super Nintendo out of the uh, wall of cubes and toss in the Saturn, and. Uh, you know, maybe record some put- footage for that, or possibly the Dreamcast. Part part about the Dreamcast is games are so long. I don't really want to have to try and sift through ten hours of footage to to put together a seven There's minute crazy video. taxi. Yeah, there is that, or you know, <laughs> we'll see. Vanishing Point really has my attention, so. Um, I do have a written review of The Legend of Zelda uh, pretty much done. I just want to beat the game to make sure all of my final, you know, impressions uh, kind of match, you know, after I do complete the game. So look for that as well. Onnameplayinggames.com. Yeah. So uh, with that, Austin, <laughs> we can definitely go ahead and uh, wrap this up. Um, all right. I'm Chris... You obviously can find the show at implantgames.com. We'd love to hear your feedback, so feel free to leave a comment or definitely uh, email us at podcast.implantgames.com. Check out the Facebook page, uh, slash Implant Games, or even Twitter at Implant. You can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash gameplay and talk. Again, my name's Austin. And uh, you can also find me on YouTube as well. 
Shameless self-promotion. <laughs> well earned. Shameless self-promotion. Yes. You've hit uh, you. 1,000 hey, hey, I appreciate how on Facebook now you're like, I'm with going to record an episode with gameplay and talks. It's like you're even linking to my Facebook page now. Absolutely. That's cool. Absolutely. Although it hasn't helped. Like, I haven't had any extra likes or anything like yep. that. So, uh, my but Facebook still. army is fairly small, if I'm honest. <laughs> Not a very influential person, I <laughs> No, it's okay. I, my my Facebook followers are, I have a few as well. So even though my number's higher, that was more or less due to a uh, little test I did, testing out Facebook's advertisement system. And I think all they did was give me a lot of bots that don't actually communicate. Yeah. <laughs> um, before we go, so. now that we've done our closing and are ready to wrap this up, just a shout out to um, Rob Maximum RD. Um, oh yeah, I meant to meant to do that last week. He plugged our our, our show, and um, Rob, if you're listening, man, thank you. That was very cool of you to do so. Very generous of you. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to say thank you for that, and uh, we'll have a link to. I know we've talked about him in the past in his YouTube channel, but we'll toss a, a link to his YouTube channel in the show notes. I don't have anything specific to say about his channel other than. Uh, Rob's a pretty good guy. Does a, a lot of different YouTube videos. A lot of things different than Austin and I do. So he's also much more popular. So perhaps he knows what he's doing. Um, but check him out, and uh, hopefully we can get a get a couple of, of people your way, Rob. Absolutely. Thanks again, Rob. Alrighty. So with that, uh, we are out of here, everyone. Uh, we'll see you again in two weeks. All right. See you guys in two weeks.